Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Omar Vind, and today I'm joined by Yash Thakur to go over Real Madrid Femenino's 3-0 victory over Rosenborg in the Champions League qualifying round two first leg match. Meaning that if Real Madrid have a sufficient aggregate score, I was going to say win their second leg, but that's not true. As long as they have a sufficient aggregate score, meaning they don't lose that second leg by more than two goals, they will be through to the group stages of the Champions League. Obviously, we'd very much prefer if they went out and win it, which they probably will end up doing because this performance kind of established that we're a far superior team to them. I I think a lot of us expected that going in. This is not a huge surprise, but you never quite know, especially with Real Madrid. We can tend to take some of these games for granted, but the Champions League tends to focus us, tends to lock us in, unlike maybe some of the, the league games do. And overall, this was a pretty pleasing performance. Obviously, Caroline Weir and Ateneo del Castillo being the stars of the show, Yash, I'm assuming after that display, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, comfortable victory. Like we spoke about this when, uh, like before the draws as well, the team that we had to avoid from our possible opponents was probably Roma. And we got a favorable draw, even though we finished third in the league. So yeah, I mean, comfortable win and with some absolute belters of goals. So we'll discuss that. We'll break that down. But yeah, pretty happy with the win. I think this match proves why it was so important for us to come out of round one as the highest coefficient team of the league path with the highest coefficient because it put us in a position where, whoops, we could get swapped into pot one. Real Sociedad was swapped up into pot two, which they were their fans are not happy about at all because they finished in a higher position than us just to face Bayern Munich. But that shows why it was so important for us to to get out of round one with the highest coefficient, and we did. And you guys remember Marina wrote that whole article, and and all of it kind of came together. All of that proved to be really, really important. The lineups. A lot of the times, you know, we just kind of are like, all right, the lineups is what we expected, whatever, move on. I think this time it's a little more interesting because, look, when we played Valencia, what was the big talking point from a fan perspective? It was... Look, Muller, once again, didn't look that great on the wing. Feller is still not come back into the lineup. Olga is still not, uh, sorry, into the squad. Olga has still not come back into the squad. Who is going to play out on the wing, right? Is he going to pick Muller again? Because that seems like an uninspiring choice. And so that was kind of what everyone was discussing coming into this one. And I don't think it was much of a surprise to see Toril not pick Muller. Also, I don't think it's that much of a surprise that he ended up going with Weir on the right wing. Why do I say that? Because versus Valencia, after the substitution that brought off Muller, if I'm remembering correctly, Weir was moved out to the right wing. And we got to see what that looked like. And what it looked like was Weir not really playing as a right winger at all. And although Toril ended up separating his two best players in Weir and Ateneo, who were the ones who were connecting well down that left-hand side in the first half, after Atenea and Muller swapped wings, it still ended up having a positive impact. And Weir was was able to receive in pockets and transition and release runners going either side. And so I think Toril probably looked at that and he was like, look, I can either play Muller, I can either play Paola Partido, and I don't think he even considered playing Lorena at right wing. So those were probably the two things in his mind. Or we we do a diamond or something like that. And he was like, all right, we're at on the right hand side seem to work versus Valencia let's just go with it again and you know what it worked pretty well and let's go in and, and talk about why or we will go on and talk about why that was the case but what were your initial impressions with this lineup Yash because we do have we're at right wing which is the big kind of talking point for everyone but we also had general rotation so it was we're on the right next to Esther and, and Atenea in attack, and then you had Zornoza as the nominal number 10 ahead of Freya getting her, her debut in the double pivot with Sandy Toledi, and then the back four of Sveva, Rocio, Susa, and Kenti, and then Nisa on goal. So what were your initial thoughts on the lineup? 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't as surprised about the wear choice uh, because as you explained, it it made sense given our options at the moment and how uninspiring Moller looked in the previous outing as well. So it wasn't as surprising to see wear start up front. Uh, the attack wasn't much of a surprise. What was surprising was the uh, inclusion of uh, Freya and Rocio into the uh, lineup. I was trying to like reason out why uh, there was a certain like addition of physicality i would say if you just look at the lineup we have added uh freya who offers like we have discussed before she offers good defensive uh coverage and uh, adds a bit of physical steel in the midfield and rocio is also physically robust center back so uh, instead of ivana we started rocio and in midfield freya slotted in so it was a uh, a bit like we wanted a bit of robustness in our midfield and uh, defensive lines so i don't know what was the proper thinking but that is my guess that that was the aim with these changes but other than that uh given where started on the right wing tolety uh sorry where started on the right wing kenty at right back ma makes a lot of sense because kenty as we know is a bombing presence she's good on the overlap a lot and likes to go on the overlap a lot as well so with where the way she would operate on that right flank it made sense to have uh kenty do the uh have the uh, kenty has the engine so to have her there to make those runs uh, relentlessly and tirelessly throughout the game, it, it made sense because that would offer us uh, offer us width as well. So, yeah, I mean, not really any complaints per se, but yeah, to try trying to reason out why certain changes were made, uh, it it made sense overall. I would say. Yeah, I think the Freya Rocio thing, the the physicality point is interesting. It could also just be rotations, right? And possibly just both because we know that and Real Madrid experienced this last season a thing with newcomers into the Champions League and we're not newcomers but a thing with teams just in general having to manage the Champions League but especially newcomers which was us last season is how do you manage all these extra games and it tends to burn teams out they're not quite used to that level of intensity and it can affect their league games and look we, we picked a generally strong lineup here but Rocio in for Ivana, Freya in for Tede, basically in this lineup, Kenti in for Lucia, just, just a couple of rotations maybe to give Toril fresher options going into a league match. And I think there's probably some thinking ahead going on with that, while still keeping on enough quality to pretty much guarantee a result. That was the lineup. Since you have watched Rosenberg, I'll give you a little opportunity if you want to say any little thing about the lineup that they put out and, and then we can move on. Yeah. So before this game, I tried to like get a sense of how they're playing by watching a couple of their games. So I wasn't surprised by their lineup. I was expecting a 4-5-1 or a 4-2-3-1 uh, sort of formation. And that is what we got basically. The way they usually tend to play is they play a lot vertical like they aren't a uh, very like slow possession based uh, side that will like continuously build attacks and like keep the ball and rotate the ball they like to make those quick vertical passes with those up up back through patterns and either going long as well uh, the major threats that they had, uh, as I mentioned in a tweet, like before the game started as well, uh, Josendal as we'll also like, I'll mention her towards the end of the game, but Josendal is a really good player. Like, uh, she is one of the major threats that, uh, Rosenborg have, have in their team. Uh, she likes to operate on the left hand side, like receives really wide, but then cuts inside and then operates through those half spaces and is really good with her vision as well. She can play the ball in behind and stuff. Uh, then Nautness is also like really good, uh, who played as a striker for them in this 4-2-3-1. Uh, she's like uh, really good at drifting out wide and providing that uh, support because what, what Rosenberg do off the ball is they drop into a 4-5-1 sort of shape or a 4-1-4-1 if you want to call it that. Uh, so they uh, keep very uh, like compact lines uh, horizontally, uh, vertically and horizontally as well. So like they try to maintain their, keep their distances very small and that, that makes it quite difficult to operate uh, at times. But so 
they have that one uh, sort of target figure in Nortness up front and she is really good at like drifting uh, laterally operating shifting continuously laterally to offer support and just as an outlet uh, if they want to play direct as well uh, she's pretty good then another player that would have caught some eyes was uh, Andreessen in the number 10 role uh, she's really good with her feet like she uh, really skilled on the ball really good close control and has good vision as well so these are a couple of players that uh, really stood out and I, I feel like a couple of uh, players that would have stood out to the Madridistas watching uh, this game as well. Rosenberg are a good side. I wouldn't say like they are uh, complete pushovers or anything. And we saw that in the game as well, like they were able to create some some good opportunities uh, throughout the game. But yeah, I mean, we reigned supreme. So yeah, I don't have much to add. Uh, as the part goes on, I'll, I'll mention a couple of things about Josendal and Nautness as well. We can get back to the weird question pretty quickly, I think, because I think it's important to talk about why it worked and why similar types of experiments like this haven't worked in the past, right? Because I think the initial kind of visceral negative reaction to we are starting out wide would be because we did that with Maite plenty of times last season, and it didn't work that much. There were a couple of times where out on the left, it actually looked decent. But there was so much of Maite on the right wing, and it just, it just kind of, it was, it, it just was a way of neutering your best midfielder, basically, in terms of just sheer quality, right? And Maite was never really able to to show her stuff, show what she could do in a game when she was out there. And so I think when people look at that, and then they go and consider Weir playing out there, and the similarities between Weir and Maite in terms of their quality in advanced areas. I think it's easy to see why people would look at that and be like, this doesn't seem like a positive. But the thing we talked about with Maite before is, and this was kind of a strange thing, and we couldn't really understand why, but Maite interpreted her role as a winger as like an actual winger, basically, right? She played that position as if she was trying to adapt to being a wide player, sticking closer to the touchline, not roaming inside right? All of that type of stuff. And that's why we couldn't see the Maite that we all love and know, because the Maite that we all love and know operates in interior areas. And that's where she comes alive. And we're just didn't adhere to any of those restrictions at all. And why there would be that difference between we're and Maite in terms of how they operate, I guess, is sort of for people out there to guess, because I don't see why Toril would instruct one to stay particularly tighter to the touchline and be more rigid in their positioning as opposed to the other, because again, they're, they're kind of similar in terms of where they like to operate and where they're effective, right? In terms of the advanced areas, in terms of operating between the lines. And it seems like it would make sense for both of them to have the freedom to come out. Only thing I can guess is that Maite just kind of interpreted it that way and we're interpreted it differently. And it's, it was kind of left to them to figure out how they wanted to make an impact for that role. I don't know. Maybe there was a particular instruction that we're ignored and she went on and did her thing. That's stuff we cannot really figure out, but it's not that uncommon for a coach to just be like, you're playing out on the wing and just kind of leave it at that, right? And, and the player figures it out themselves. And I think we're just was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come inside. I'm going to operate as if I was playing right center midfield or number 10 and just go from there and see what happens. And the dynamic that we ended up getting, it ended up looking quite nice with the rest of the midfield that was out there because we had a double pivot of Fea and Toledi with Zornoza being the nominal number 10. But Zornoza kind of stuck to the left half space while Weir made it into the right half space. And we had a 2-2 midfield structure, so a box midfield, where we had two players at all times between the lines on either side of the pitch, ahead of two midfield players conducting the play, with the width being kept by Atenea and Kenti, and then Esther leading the line. And it was just too much for Rosenborg to handle. Rosenborg were defending in a pretty typical 4-4-2 block, trying to stay compact, but because of the threat of Weir and Zornoza between the lines, their midfielders couldn't really step out to pressure Toledi and Freya. And so they were worried about that. And yet they also couldn't control 
Ware and Zornoza because the fluidity of their movement, especially Ware, has just made it difficult for them to keep track of them because Ware was moving wherever she pleased, right? At times, she would offer deeper to the ball. In rare occasions, she would stretch to the touchline. Then she would attack on the diagonal to make it in behind the midfield line. There is no real way for them to just say, if we position ourselves here in this general area, we'll have access to Weir at all times. And on top of that, you have to deal with Zornoza as well on the other side. And and Esther, too, is a player that likes to drop to the ball. So it was just too much for them. They were overwhelmed. They were overloaded. And it allowed us to really, you know, pick up, really conduct some nice sequences through their block and disorganize them and attack the box numerous, numerous times. And, you know, goal number one was somewhat emblematic of this approach, right? I mean, it's more of a transitional situation, but Athenea carries it down the left plays a ball back inside and Weir drifts way central into a pocket and strikes a beautiful, a beautiful shot from long range into the top corner. And it's just not the type of goal you expect a right winger to score because it was a first time finish in the very center in the field. In fact, she was more on the left-hand side of the field than she was on the right. Right. So that's why it worked because Weir did not play like a winger and Basically, we ended up having a fourth midfielder in the lineup that was able to overload areas in a way that was very intelligent, right? A lot of times when this happens, it can bog the team down, right? You have too many players offering for the ball, but Weir is so smart with her positioning and so vertical with her positioning that she was always occupying dangerous areas and providing real overloads instead of needless ones. And it was just too much for Rosenborg to handle. So... What were your thoughts on Weir's performance, Yash, and kind of the dynamic of this midfield and maybe what this suggests going forward? Because if it worked as well as it did versus Rosenborg, granted, it was versus Rosenborg, but if it if it looked this good, surely it's gone into Toriel's mind that, all right, let me consider this for the future. When the lineup was announced as well, like I I we both knew how we would like try to interpret this because we saw a glimpse of it in the previous game as well. We knew we wasn't going to uh, hug the touchline. So we knew she was going to operate in the central alias. And that is what I basically wanted because uh, as I explained, uh, Rosenborg like play in this 4-5-1 or a 4-4-1-1 today. It's uh, important to uh, have bodies in between the lines and that is what we wanted my major concern when i saw the lineup and how these players would like to operate was that we would have a little too many ball oriented players like the players who want to get on the ball a lot because we know esther has that ha- has that proclivity as well we know zornosa would like to get on the ball as much as well and we are too so i was just concerned that we wouldn't have that sort of a uh, central threat that we would need because where would come inside she would get on the ball and she would look to play those vertical passes in behind consistently and she is really good at that she has the vision she has the technique to execute that so i i was hoping we don't lack that sort of central threat but this is what happens when you sign uh, such a world class player they offer you solutions for situations that you didn't imagine would even come up in the game they can solve situations in game on the fly and just excel at it so as you mentioned she was so dynamic she was operating on she was coming inside on the uh, from the right hand side operating in that right hand uh, right right half space she was drifting coming deep because if you if you go back and watch that goal the first goal she has dropped deep like to receive the ball she then spreads it out wide to Athenea. The ball is intercepted, but Toleti is right there to like recover the ball. And then she plays it back to Athenea. And after playing this long switch, Weir doesn't stop. Weir is already making her run towards that central space to receive in the hope of receiving a ball across and where she can then strike the ball with her left foot. And that is what happens. She can anticipate these moves happening, these sequences playing out already in her head. The, the speed of thought at which she plays, it, it's just incredible. Because as we are like, even in the opening 10-15 minutes, you could see quality is always uh, clear with where. Whenever she gets on the ball, you can see how much 
of an of a quality player she is she she will receive under pressure her ability to just receive and then turn away from that in, incoming challenge just she's so elegant on the ball i i would say like it's just it's just magic to watch her play honestly it's it's she says that she used to admire zidane and you can see that in the way she turns away from the pressure when she receives it uh, her movements of that start and stop just just the little tiny bits of that start and stop when she is receiving just the uh, elegance of her first touch when she's like cushioning the ball and then just turning it away or sliding it away from the incoming challenge it's just brilliant to watch she's able to get her body across uh, the opposition to draw a foul to just calm the momentum later on in the game as well that that's that's truly a sign of a world class player we have signed a world class player and it is showing like we are seeing the results now and and it's just incredible and i feel moving forward once like olga is back i think uh, we wouldn't be used uh, in that wing role but it's really good to know that we have such an option such a quality option who can uh, be like placed out wide but still influence game so much in the central areas and whenever we need to like uh, when we come up come up against an opponent where we need to overload those central areas we have this option as well but i feel moving forwards once athenea and feller are back i i think we'll shift to a more of a 4231 that was there with we are operating in the 10 where she'll still have the freedom to operate wherever she wants she will have that sort of free role to just gravitate wherever the ball is and anticipate what the next move is to provide support and then create opportunities wherever uh, from wherever she deems fit and i think that would be uh, the best role we can give her uh, and i think that is where that is how we will probably be using her moving forward once we have the full squad back It is probably the way we go forward, but for me, whenever I'm thinking about Real Madrid Femenino and what is it we need to do going forward, it's always, well, how do we break down deep blocks and how do we get better at it? And there are more granular tactical solutions, and then there's also just putting out lineups that kind of naturally achieve the things you'd want to do through more concerted instruction. And if you guys remember last season. There is a moment where we end up playing S there on the right wing and after after some subs and it actually ends up working and it's because S there does her normal thing where she offers inside and tries to overload areas and stuff like that but because we actually had a spearhead and attack this allowed another overload in midfield and it actually ended up working and it was honestly something that there were certain games to end last season where I was like just do that just put Esther at the right put someone else up top and it gives us something else because Esther will just it's as if nothing has changed for Esther right she's just continuing to do her her own thing except we have another body who can overload areas now with Weir you have someone who's much more suited to that doing that and i would say pretty clearly in accordance with what Yash said that Weir's best most ideal role for her would be for her to actually have that nominal number 10 position to herself or as an advanced interior um we're doing that because at this point we've been switching between the 433 and the 4231 you know quite liberally and they often look like each other in game you know and it's difficult to tell right but we're having that type of role she had before this game and before the Celtics versus Valencia that would be her best role on paper but i just can't help but think that this could be a real solution at times the other the other reason that i'm considering this is because when weir was signed the first thing i thought after all the good things which is well wow, this is so amazing this is going to change the team blah 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 is what happens to maite because she was already kind of marginalized under toreo and now it just gets harder for her and the question for me was is there any way for any game we can get maite and weir into the same lineup right in a realistic way in their best positions and it was just very difficult for me to see that without dropping you know one of zornos on toletti we talked about how toletti along with weir is kind of undroppable and it's just really hard to drop zornoza with the form she's been in and being for you know probably till the the second half of last season madrid's most consistent central midfielder so I think what we saw today and we actually do end up seeing this in the second half when Mike Day comes on 
we saw a way, we saw a scheme to get Maite and Weir into the lineup at the same time in their best areas without dropping Zornoza. And that's what excites me because that would actually be the best lineup if we're using that scheme, right? Would be to have Toletti alongside Tere or Zornoza with Maite and Weir ahead of them. I mean, the quality in that midfield with Maite being the one to receive it. I mean, that, that being her best quality, right? What she does between the lines receiving. That's just so tantalizing to think about. I mean, Zornoza played well there, but I think at this stage in her career, being a bit of a deeper playmaker is best suited for, for, her, for her game and for her passing qualities. That's just where my head is at in terms of what is the most interesting thing to take away from this game. I don't think we are going to see this scheme used over and over again, even close to a majority of the time, because as Yash said, once these players come back, it just kind of sorts itself out and we go back to the normal thing. But I don't think this should just be removed from the table, right? Like this shouldn't just be a break in case of emergency when players are out. I think this should be on the table as a real option when we when when we are looking at particular opponents in particular situations, because God knows we are going to have, you know, 10, 12 league games the rest of the season where we're like, well, we didn't create anything for 35 minutes straight. And here we go again with the same story against the deep block. And I, I just feel like this is such an easy solution in the sense that it doesn't really require Toril to do much, right? He's not sitting there and saying, all right, how am I reorienting the structure? What are the new patterns? I'm, he's literally just saying, all right, I'm putting a different player on the lineup here. And it just works itself out naturally through the tendencies of the players. Yeah. This is by far the thing we'll spend the most time talking about throughout the podcast because it's the most interesting thing. But I think we can we can move on now and, and start touching on other things. Yeah, just to add to what you have already like explained really well and the prospect of having Maite, Zorno, Satoletti and Weir in the same lineup is really enticing. Uh, I wouldn't lie because that gives us so such incisiveness uh, like Toletti adds a sort of two-way presence we have such great playmaking ability in that lineup we can create from deep we can create in the final third we can break lines and that uh, that really like separates us from what we were last season when we struggled to create from settled position now we have players who are able to like offer that who are dynamic enough to even uh, present themselves as as a threat from the midfield positions like Toletti is great at making those runs in behind Weir is just great dynamically making those runs in behind and just playing off of the striker depending on where the striker is uh, so yeah I mean that that really is an intriguing prospect but we'll see how how it develops and hopefully we get to see a lot more of that to get a better understanding of how it functions as well it was really exciting today in whatever time we were able to see Maite Veer Zornos and Toletti on the on the same pitch so uh, yeah, it, it's it's really exciting. I wouldn't lie. I, I would love to have Maite involved in the lineup as well, playing in that sort of uh, number 10 role where she can like thread the ball through. So it will be interesting to see how how it uh, develops. But yeah, uh, it, it's, it's really good. Moving forwards, I, I guess we can look at some of the uh, good moments. Uh, like talking about, as you have mentioned, we were building out from... Uh, in in a clear double pivot of Freya and Freya Siri and Toletti, uh, with Weir and Zornosa forming the higher lineup in between the opposition lines, uh, it was interesting to see. Uh, I felt at times our, our double pivot lines were a little flat, uh, like they were not staggered enough to offer that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of progression or that sort of. Uh, vertical presence but uh, it's it's okay I, I guess we weren't really as challenged and we could just easily move the ball out wide and then we would have like four options on the wing where we would form this again sort of a box structure a diamond structure outside on the wing where we where the receiver has the options of two to three players to just play the ball out so it wasn't progression wasn't really that difficult it, it wasn't really stopping our uh, progression as much but yeah, that is something, I, and I'm just nitpicking here probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean that I I felt it was uh, a little off. But uh, Freya was also playing her first game, so uh, maybe it takes time to develop uh, some synergy in in that regards. Uh, 
then uh, i feel if if we look at the shots in in the 32nd minute uh, rosenberg have their first shot from long range a pretty decent effort uh, it's by magnus dotir uh, from a long range misa gets a hand to it it goes off wide and then the corner doesn't result in anything so all in all there wasn't much that rosenberg were able to create until the 38th minute like immediately after we scored uh they got into the box with andreasen who showed like quick feet as i mentioned before she was able to like slice through one or two players and get into the box but uh the shot wasn't that great and it was uh like blocked and cleared away but yeah we were seeing those sort of a couple of moments where they could like breach uh breach into our backline and try to create something but nothing major came of it i wouldn't say like misa had a lot to do throughout the game and after that in the 34th minute atenea just receives the ball out wide and it it's a long ball by toletti once again so we are seeing that sort of what toletti can offer as well so toletti passes it to atenea she receives on the left cuts in inside a brilliant goal again and this is like if people remember watching kristensen at the euros at least like she is a good goalkeeper she has good uh, shot stopping uh, ability but both of those goals i don't think you can name much on her uh, another spectacular finish from atenea who had who again had a really good game like even in the previous game she was spectacular she's relentless we know that but now adding that sort of uh, goal scoring presence like a great shot again cutting inside just saw the space there and took it a really well taken goal and yeah i mean it was a great finish i would say just sheer brilliance from atenea weaving inside typical fashion and producing what i want to see more of from her and product i mean what a strike pure connection and just flies in at the near post for half a second i wasn't even sure if that had gone in and had it had done that thing where it bounces outside around the post goes off one of the billboards and then comes back in and hits the back of the net and you're like it's in and so i just had to wait a moment to see if everyone was celebrating because the shot was so fast but we were feeling pretty comfortable at that point and atenea i would say probably the second best second most impactful performer on the night obviously we haven't got to the third goal yet where she creates for weir really good start to the season from her i think in terms of continuing that trend that quality of her of just driving at opponents looking to make things happen off the dribble and actually making things happen for Real Madrid in terms of goals whether that be you know just the way she breaks teams down with her dribbling more indirectly leading to things as we saw versus Valencia where she carried the ball up the pitch on the counterattack rebound shot and then Tere scored or versus today where she's directly having her hand in things this type of game to game contribution from Atenea will take Real Madrid to the next level if if that's what we can see for her this season or whether that be later down the line with her career whatever the case is we know her promise we know what she can do on her day and that's what we saw versus Rosenborg you mentioned Toledi a couple of times now in this podcast and i think she just had a really good game if i was to pick someone aside from Weir and Atenea that i want to highlight it would be Toledi i thought versus Valencia she had some good moments but i thought she could have imposed herself in midfield a little more like take charge in the way that she can i think we really saw that versus rosenborg because with and we'll talk about freya series debut but she wasn't necessarily doing too much in terms of conducting possession right she was more just recycling the ball as kind of like a classic destroyer and the burden of that was on toledi and i think she did really well to kind of take that on and be the main player conducting from deep and it wasn't typical to Letty in the sense that we're used to seeing her be all action. Yeah, contributing in build up and all that, but receiving in more advanced areas, making runs into the box with two attacking midfielders. There wasn't so much space for her to do that. And instead, she just kind of sat back in a more reserved role and made things happen on the ball. And she was really, really good. You mentioned that switch of play. I thought her vertical passing was good. She obviously ended up defending fairly well. I am just really happy that we have a cohort of midfielders now that allows us to be so versatile 
with the amount of schemes that we can go through. I mean, think about the the midfields we've been cycling through across the season. Now we can just throw a scheme out like this and it just ends up working. It's not just because we have Weir, but it's also because of players like Paletti too, who literally can just play any central midfield role and look fine, right? And 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 actually take on massive responsibility within that type of position. I it's a huge luxury to have, and it gives Toril a ton of options. And I'm not saying you need to be super fancy and you know have to specifically please me with all these crazy selections and shapes every single game, but across the length of an entire season, I do want to see a lot of things tried and a lot of things used, you know, with always a logic to it, but I do want to see us kind of explore the limit of what they can provide us because we have so many solutions now that I don't think there's that much of an excuse for not being able to find ways to, you know, to control a game or break a team down because we have one of the best midfields in the world. That's not an exaggeration, right? Toledi, Weir, Teresa, Zornoza, Maite, and we've added Freya as well. Like this is a collection of talent that just really isn't out there in many places, right? And it's just not the total versatility of someone like Toletti or the advanced versatility of someone like Weir. But, you know, Zornoza, I don't think she's perfect as a number 10 at this stage in her career, but I mean, she wasn't bad out there. I mean, she played pretty well. I mean, she can play in advanced positions comfortably. She's obviously to the, to the latter end of her career, been more comfortable, you know, conducting from deeper and making passes from those areas. We know what Maite can do. She literally played as a single pivot for the majority of her time under Toril. And Tere is crazy. Like, just think about the amount of options that we have and the amount of things that we can do with this midfield. And it just is like, for me, the biggest problem should be like the worry that you're going to go, go and, and do too much and be too fancy because of the, the amount of things they give you. But yeah, I, I think that's just the grand theme taking away from this match is this is what our midfield can give us. And it's not just because of what Weir did on the night, but also, you know, players like Toledi, who had a little bit more of a subtle performance, but I think a very good one. And I think, I don't know, I don't think she was bad versus Valencia, but it did feel like a rebound game from there in terms of imposing her will on the game, which... When the time comes, I think she should do because she, she absolutely can. Moving on to the half, because I don't know how much you want to say after the goal itself. I mean, it was comfortable. They had Rosenberg would keep coming back in these waves, right? I think you might have mentioned that chance already, but they just have this ridiculous attempt from long range that calls Misa into action all of a sudden. At the very end, I think it was Susa who had this giveaway the edge of the box after winning the ball back or um, it might've been Rocio who won the ball back. Regardless, it was, it was Sousa on the ball and she kind of gives it away. And there's a moment of, you know, of panic there, a big scare, you know, Rosenberg have a decent chance. And on that occasion, I don't know how much to blame Sousa because on the replay, it kind of looked like she was fouled. It kind of looked like she was pushed down, but there was just this sense that like, all right, we've done so well let's clean some of these things up because there's just these little things here and there that was like, this seems a little unnecessary. Let's stitch it all together. And then we should, you know, comfortably progress with this game and, and have a clean sheet. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say before we, we move on to the second half. Yeah. I would just like to uh, add a bit on, on the toilety performance, as you mentioned, like with our midfield now, we, it's not just about the sort of uh, quality players that we, we have, but the sort of balance that these players can offer us in different situations and the sort of options now we have to solve different sort of sol- uh, situations in game and like just break down opposition in different ways by either like having dynamic presence that makes runs from midfield into the box or just have that sort of defensive solidity or just control the ball a lot better than before it's it's amazing what we have uh, in the squad right now and yeah i mean this was a brilliant performance from Toletti. no exaggeration like she in the eighth minute like we saw what uh, like if if there was one sequence that you could uh, pick out and and say like this is what Toletti can do in like this is what toilet is all about it would be like in in the eighth minute rosenberg have the ball and we have applied uh pressure on them and 
Toledi anticipates the pass. She recovers the ball. She picks up, carries it a bit, and then immediately sets through Esther. That's our first shot of the game, uh, if I'm not wrong, because I missed the first seven minutes uh, of the game. But she picks up the ball. She carries it a little forward and then plays Esther behind immediately. So that is what she can do. She can not just regain the ball. She cannot just. She's not just positionally aware, but she has the vision. See, she has this sort of skill to execute these passes in behind these high you know high uh, th high threat passes in behind uh, that's that's really invaluable in my opinion uh, she she just had had a brilliant performance involved in both the goals first two goals i would say because uh, the first goal that weir scored weir plays a long diagonal switch uh, and it's intercepted but she's right there to just recover the ball pick up the second ball and then play it out to athenea again on the second goal for Athenea, she is the one playing the long switch again. So we see that she can, she is not just good at circulating position. She is not just good at retaining position. She is not just good at recovering position, but she is also good at these, creating these sort of situations for her teammates and then presenting herself as an option uh, in these advanced areas to be, to get on the end of these uh, sort of uh, situations as well. So she's a complete player uh, like complete midfielder for me she can offer a lot of uh, solutions to us and that's that's really invaluable and i hope like I, I, because in the last part as well i mentioned uh where and toleti are probably non-negotiables in the in the midfield we'll, we play a lot of games so we'll probably see some rotation but uh in any big games that this should be like they should be a part of our gala 11 i would say so yeah uh, nothing else to add in the in the first half, I would say. So yeah, let's get into the second half. Right off the bat, basically, 51st minute, we end up scoring our third. Atenea, this time turning provider, cuts inside, beautiful lofted ball. And we've talked about this before. What is the game-to-game -game thing that we're adds, right? Because the beautiful long-range goals will be there, but that's going to be there five, six times a season. What is it game-to-game -game in terms of her scoring that she adds? And that's the run into the box. Usually late runs. This time it wasn't quite so late. I mean, she was the, the defender had her in her view the entire time. I mean, she was sitting on the shoulder and she just times it really well in sync with Atenea's path. The defender can't get there. And what's cool about this goal is she she has to bring it down first or chooses to, does so brilliantly, and then is able to take another touch and score. Keeper gets a hand to it, but finds its way into the net and 3-0 in right off the bat. I mean, the game pretty much over and it's just about seeing it out or, or stat padding, whatever you want to call it. A brilliant start to the second half. And it just showed how in sync, how in the flow those two players were. Athene Weir, our two best players, two most impactful players on the score sheet to start the season. And yeah, just brilliant stuff from the two of them. 62nd minute. Toril brings on Maita for Maite for, for Freya. So I think this is a good opportunity to, to talk about Freya's performance. We can also talk about Maite as well, but in terms of like what the scheme looked like and how that intrigued us, we, we've already gone over that plenty in terms of Maite and we're on the pitch together. So in terms of Freya's performance, I'll just say a little bit and then hand it over to you, Yash. Bottom line, I, I liked what I saw from what little we got to see, but I think sample size alert because this was a fairly comfortable game to play for her position. I think especially when she didn't take up that much responsibility in possession, which I'm not saying she necessarily needed to, but I think when judging it, you take that into account. And then defensively, most of the trouble we had was building out from the back versus the press. And so we'll talk about that. Well, other than that, it was, it was a pretty comfortable time out there in the middle of the park, right? I mean, more making straightforward ball recoveries, a couple challenges here and there. Very comfortable night for Frey. I think it was a good decision to introduce her into a game like this because she comes in. It's a good team performance. Great win. Everyone's feeling good. Freya comes out of that feeling comfortable. Like, okay, I know my teammates. I know she moves here. That person moves there. This is maybe how I want to position myself next time. It was a nice introduction to the team. It was a nice introduction to Real Madrid football. And 
in that sense, I'm very happy with how everything went. I just don't know how much I want to take away from this, right? I look at Freya and think this is a, a solid performance. She looked comfortable. Okay, let's let's see her build on this. Let's see what it looks like. More challenging circumstances, basically my thought process. But in terms of what we saw on the night, you know, I, I'm fine with it. I think she looked solid. Yeah, same. I mean, I I wouldn't be like too nitpicky about it it was a decent performance we weren't really challenged in a lot of ways and it was like you mentioned it was a great uh, like decision to introduce her in this game to just get her settled in to just build some sort of synergy with her teammates if we are going to use her moving forwards if she is going to be a part of if we are regularly going to see this sort of double pivot uh, and um, with a box midfield moving forwards it's it's good to have build that sort of synergy and build it under less of a challenging situation and this was one of it she did well uh, as you as you have already mentioned nothing too adventurous or nothing too like noteworthy in possession she was good at recycling possession she was taking the ball and passing it along uh, well then defensively like we didn't have a lot of opportunity to see her to see those sort of destroying actions we'll probably see them more as the season goes on as we face a, a little challenging uh, opposition not taking anything away from the sort of threat rosenborg offered but it wasn't it didn't involve freya to make uh, all that much of a defensive uh, action so as you mentioned it, it comes with a small sample size alert and we'll have to see how how she set how she settles in and builds that synergy with her teammates as well and how she looks under more challenging situations so yeah i mean good performance good debut from her uh, she would be happy with it and fans would be happy with it and this is some a good base to build uh, upon moving forward so yeah no complaints nothing major to take away i would say uh, just just that little caveat here but yeah i mean good performance good debut i would say after this it's kind of just random notes we had in terms of events i mean the main thing i want to talk about before we get there because i think that's what's basically remaining is the other key theme of the second half i think it really came into play in the second half but it was also there a little bit in the first is that we didn't really seem to handle the press that well and uh, i i haven't really had the time to go back and and watch a lot of replays of those instances because of immediate reaction all that so maybe yash will have more specific thoughts but it kind of felt like a similar situation versus Valencia where it was like a lot of this just seemed unnecessary. And it's like, come on, guys, 3-0 up, clean it up, hold on to possession, progress cleanly through pressure, and you'll be able to build on that lead even. Because at this point, I think the reason we saw this is because Rosenborg have really amped up pressure. They're going for broke. I mean, there's literally no reason not to at this point in the game. And they're, they're seeing, okay, we haven't been able to create much in open play. If we high press them, what, what happens? And I think they actually created a decent amount of trouble. If, if we're to count up all the dangerous sequences that were there, I think the majority of them come from turnovers in our own half because of Rosenborg's press. And from what little I could gather, you know, free, you know frantically flitting between, you know, live tweeting, immediate reaction in the game is their structure looked decent. It looked tight when they were able to get to the wings and it wasn't like we could just split them with one easy pass, but look, we just spent all that time talking about the quality of that midfield, right? By the 62nd minute, the quality of our ball playing midfield had increased even because Zornoza went deeper, right? And so you couldn't point to anyone and say, oh, there's, you know, a player that could be a pressing trigger for the opposition because we had Toledi, Zornoza, and then Maite, we are ahead of them, right? So it just kind of seemed like to me we could have just chilled and looked for better solutions at that time. I feel like it didn't help that Catalin, who is a player who's who has quality on the ball for sure, but I think she was looking for that killer pass from deep way too often, right? A lot of them were just, all right, let me try to play a ball in behind. Let me try to play a vertical pass that isn't on. I think it needed to be, all right, they've caught you on one side. Let's see if we can switch the play on the ground Use Misa if you have to. Get to the other side. Spaces will open up as you do that. And then take advantage of the fact that you have all these overloads in midfield. And it just too often, it felt like we weren't able to do that. If that was the one thing I was supposed to say, like, okay, what do we take from the scheme as an improvement? To me, that has to be the one. Because 
there, there are no excuses with the quality out there. And I just want us to be able to handle those moments more intelligently and with more calm because we had the quality to do it. And had we done it, not that that it, well, I guess it, you could say it matters because it's an aggregate score, but I think we all know that, you know, three nil down, it's, it's a hard ask for them, but sure. I mean, you, you could have continued to build on the lead because if they're pressing like that and you're able to build through cleanly, they're exposed. And then you have Apinea and S there going in behind and that's trouble for them. Right. And you have, we're backing them up. So yeah, that was just the one thing for me that was like, that would have made this, you know, go from a 9.5 out of 10 to a 10, 10 performance. But Yash, what did you think about it? Yeah. I mean, I, I had it in my notes as well. Like as, as the game went on, like beyond even in the second half, especially even in the first half, like that is what I mentioned earlier. Like the fact that our double pivot looked a bit flat at times and didn't like offer enough of the staggering to that offered progression for us when building from the back that was one of the concerns and this is just me like being very nitpicky about it but yeah there were occasions where like uh i didn't like how freya received the ball at times in the first half like there were moments where she could have used her like uh positioned her body in a better way to receive so that she is facing forward when receiving a couple of touches here and there were bad as well which put us in a spot of bother at times in the second half, as you mentioned, like th- this proclivity that we have with a couple of players in the squad that they need to go for a sort of a Hollywood pass. <laughs> it this this comes to like this makes the end of the game a little less uh, controlled and a little more chaotic uh, in a way. I feel like because three nil up, you you want to kill the game, like you want to just. Keep Keep the ball, just circulate it amongst yourselves and look for the easy option, the safe options. Yeah, Rosenberg did amp up their pressure, but we had enough uh, quality, as you mentioned, to just see it through. We had enough options as well. It wasn't like the player on the ball didn't have uh, enough options due to the structure that Rosenberg were using to press us or the way they were trying to cramp up on the wing. We had options on the ball. We had uh, we have Misa as well, as you mentioned. We could just go back and switch to the other side. But this this proclivity, like in in the 79th minute, uh, that that is one of the chances that they had in the in the second half, a very good one, where Kathleen just plays it straight to to the opposition. Like there was no need for that uh, straight vertical pass in that moment. You could have just passed to uh, Kenty, and Kenty could have just passed it back to Misa. Like we wouldn't have made, uh, we wouldn't have gained territory on them, but we didn't need to. We were we could have been just comfortable uh holding on to onto the ball at that point these are the situations where we need to improve because yeah we were 3-0 up today so even if probably they would have gotten one goal we still could have like controlled the game and uh, seen it out but when we are 1-0 up uh like against uh, valencia last uh, yes in the last game we are 1-0 up you make these mistakes and it's it's suddenly 1-1 and the momentum is with them so closing the games out is where we need to like definitely improve and i think maybe we'll improve with time we need to like iron out these these silly mistakes that we have because it wasn't it wasn't down to the structure it wasn't down to the quality it was simply down to our uh, sloppiness a lot of the times yes rosenberg did uh, press us a lot a lot more in the in the second half and in a better uh, structured manner as well but there wasn't a point of time where we didn't have access to options or to passing options uh, so yeah i mean it was just us making poor choices making poor decisions where we had like a safer passing options available so these are a couple of things that we need to iron out but yeah i mean if you don't want to be nitpicky this was a good performance just random notes to round this out. So press to the substitutes. 75th minute, Toledi comes off for Tere and uh, Esther comes off for Naikari. Quick thing to say on Esther is, I think this was better than Valencia. I mean, she had chances. She had one really good chance early on in the first half. Toledi slips her in almost kind of in a one versus one situation, blazes it over, was lively in the box turning some crosses into shots that others probably wouldn't be able to. I'm fine with it. I mean, this wasn't spectacular as there, but she was, she was doing, I think kind of what she needed to do in terms of 
trying to get on the end of chances and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have that much to say about her. It was like a 6.5 out of 10 performance. Yeah, about her, if, if I had to add something, I would say like with Weir's inclusion now in the team, I feel the dynamic of who has the ball now has changed slightly. Uh, like this is this will will keep observing it and we'll keep adding to it as the season goes on and, and as we have more games to watch but uh, like Esther hasn't been bad in any of the uh, games I would say like she she has been serviceable she's doing her bits but now like she doesn't have that sort of uh, a monopoly of the ball like where is there sharing the load with her so it will be interesting to see how that develops and how that dynamic uh, develops and how she uh, is she becomes more comfortable having seen just slightly less of the ball and doing more of the like of the ball stuff as well because uh, last last year she was the focal point of everything in our attack and now that won't be the case because we have uh, somebody like Weir who is constantly demanding for the ball and creating with it as well so it it's an interesting thing to uh, in my opinion to observe over the course of the season yeah and, and it's it's a good thing too you can't, I'm using a general view, but you can't like have so much complaints about Esther getting so many touches and whatnot, and then turn around and say, well, Esther didn't look that involved. That's, I mean, that's going to be a byproduct of giving up touches, right? Is that time strikers are going to look uninvolved if the majority of their impact is off ball work. And then, you know, the majority of ways fans judge them is just purely based on whether they scored or not. I mean, so I think there needs to be that balance in terms of, when people are judging Esther's performance and, and ensure there isn't a little bit of hypocrisy there, right. In terms of complaining about her being involved all the time and then turning around and asking, well, why wasn't Esther involved? Right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't go both ways, right. I mean, you can't just look on what in terms of what's happening in terms of touches, but, but I think it is a good thing because we want this more balanced version of Esther for a while now in terms of it being better for the team. And I do think it is interesting that, it's like the Jenny Hermoso effect, right? It's like when Esther plays next to these players of superior status, right? And a superior pedigree, right? In terms of the rest of the squad looks at this player and is like, all right, you're the best or you're the leader. Esther just kind of automatically respects that and just adjusts her game, which, which I've always found quite interesting. But yeah, it's one to keep track of because we've only played so many games so far. Other notes. So yeah, I mean, the, the final subs were... Muller coming on for Weir and Athenea for Carla, or Carla Camacho coming on for, for Athenea. It would have been great to bring us a second Athenea off the bench, but unfortunately, we don't have that. I don't know if we can really say anything about those two because they barely had any minutes to play. Anything else about the game itself, Yash? No, I don't think I, I have uh, much to add uh, about it. Just one of one of the moments in the 81st minute, like the thing that we discussed before as well, the dynamic between Maite and Weir. We saw that with Maite like threading a ball through and we are making that sort of run in behind. This is what we we can expect if we get to see them a lot more because Maite can take that playmaking role and Weir is like versatile enough to not just be the playmaker but also be the one to get on the end of those chances dynamic like offering that sort of threat in behind as well. She's she's so good at complementing the sort of players that she has around her. So it, it was interesting to see because uh, that was a really good chance in the 81st minute. And I felt like Naikari's performance again was uh, quite good. Not did not score, but looked sharp with her touches. Looked to get on the like she was good uh, when she dropped off and laid off the ball. She was really quick to like turn around and get, make the run in behind as well. Like run in behind in the sense to arrive in the area uh, to receive the cross from the wide areas as well. So she looked sharp with her touches. She looked sharp with her movement. So. It's good to see that she is. She has continued that sort of uh, picked up where she left last game and has continued in the same vein. So, yeah, hope she continues in that vein. Yeah, and so that's, I think, the discussion for the game pretty much wrapped up. 3-0 win in the first leg. We take that advantage in the second leg. And we will defend that lead at the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano. That's next week, I think. Either way, it's coming really soon. And if we can see this through, that's it. We made it into the group stage. And it looked like a really difficult task before the draw, at least, if you all remember. And 
we've kind of passed every test so far with flying colors. Before we sign off, just a quick little note, and this is more for you guys to go and kind of look at this because we don't really have the time to dig in and explain, but it's fairly self-explanatory. And David Manayo's article, which you will find retweeted on Las Blancas, you can find it on his Twitter account, we'll include it in the show notes. It explains it, but just people should know that the fines for yellow and red cards have gone up significantly in the league. So the cost for a yellow card used to be four euros and the cost for a red card used to be nine euros. Now the cost for the former has gone up to 180 euros and the cost of the latter has gone up to 350 euros. That's significant in and of itself, but also because this is a lot of money for some players. Again, the, you know, the basic minimum salary, I think is what, 12,000 euros for a player. Like it could end up amounting to quite a bit for someone that's something to consider. I mean, it seems kind of steep without an adjustment for the players themselves, although there was some murmurs that a renegotiation of the players agreement might be coming. So we'll see what happens there. But on its own, it seems it seems a bit steep. And then there's also other things to consider, right? If, you know, a player is going to take a tactical foul, is it a good thing if they're like, man, I, I don't want to give up that much money and I can't make that decision in the game, right? You want it to be a deterrent. That's the point of these things, but not too much of a deterrent. It's supposed to be a deterrent to the point where players just don't do it recklessly, feeling like there's no consequence whatsoever. But, you know, let's be real here. You know, yellow card tactical fouls are a real option in games and it affects the game severely if, you know, players can't pull that out because they're like, well, I don't want to cough up the money as opposed to any other type of decision that you'd want to be a good incentive, like getting a second yellow card. So yeah, just check that out if you have the time. If you want like more specific details about that and the cost for other categories, but it has gone up and uh, it's a question, it's a decision that a lot of people are questioning at the moment. All right, that's it from us for this one. We will be with you on the weekend to cover Real Madrid's next league match. Appreciate all of you as usual for listening in and especially appreciate my co-host Yash for doing this with me. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid.